official Black Country Healthcare podcast, Mind Over Natter. This month we're going to be talking about what it's really like to work in mental health and today we're joined by two of our wonderful staff members from different areas of the Trust. So just to start off with, would you both like to introduce yourselves? Um, hi, my name's Kirsty, um, and I currently uh, work with the Crisis Home Treatment Team. And hi, I'm Stevie, and I'm the LGBTQ plus community development worker. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us today. I know you're both very busy, so thank you for taking time out to join us. Um, so as mentioned previously, um, we're going to be talking today um, about what it's really like to work in mental health and delving a little bit deeper um, into what we do as a trust and what you do day to day. Um, and also the roles that make up Black Country Healthcare because there's a lot of wide variety of roles within the mm -hmm. trust that maybe people um, don't know about. So hopefully this will provide a bit of an insight um, for those listening who may be interested in working in mental health or just want a little bit of an insight into what we do and what's involved in working in mental health. So, uh, just to start off with, um, would you each just be able to give a little bit of an overview of your role and what your team does day to day? Yeah, sure. So, um, being the LGBTQ plus community development worker, there's two parts to my role. So, the first part is trying to make sure that the trust is, is as inclusive as it can be. And that means, you know, policy-wise um, for our staff and for our patients, um, and the second part is being out in the community and speaking to third sector organisations, making sure that they're still supporting the LGBTQ plus community, especially during COVID. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do on a day to day basis. Um, so yeah, there's, there's kind of two parts to our role as crisis home treatment team. So we're recently sort of merging crisis and home treatment teams together. So on sort of crisis side of things, we have referrals that come through from GPs and um, we sort of screen and triage those um, and we also go out in the community and assess people who are in a crisis, look at a plan of care put in place to help and support them. And then on the home treatment side of things, we have sort of caseload of patients um, who we're supporting and it's sort of an intervention that's provide similar things to people who are in hospital, but it's um, based on the community. So it's least restrictive and supporting people while they're still at home. Perfect, thank you both for that. Um, so, did you always know that you wanted to work in mental health and how did you get into your career? Okay, so this is a funny one for me. So I suppose I was kind of one of those people that didn't know what they wanted to do in life. You know, I was, I dropped out of college um, and I was like, oh, what do I do? So uh, for years I was going from temp job to temp job, you know, changing jobs every six months, every 12 months. And um, I really didn't know what to do. So I knew that I wanted to get into something with people, helping people in some kind of way. So I went to uni and um, I did my foundation in, in nursing. Um, and my job at the time couldn't accommodate my two days at uni, so I had to let that go, and that's when I thought, what have I done? I've made the biggest mistake. Um, but a job came up with a third sector organisation called Summit House, and the organisation was set up initially to help during the HIV epidemic in the 90s. 
and they were just looking for a two hour a, a two day a week kind of admin position so i applied for it and i got it and when i started working there i was seeing how a hiv or aids diagnosis was affecting people mentally and that's what got me hooked on mental health kind of seeing not only the physical side of the disease, but seeing how it scarred people mentally. You know, there were people there who had been isolated from their families due to being a positive. Um, you know, I had guys coming up to me asking me why their mother doesn't want to touch them, you know, those kind of things. And being a very lonely disease, being a very isolated disease, it took such a toll on people's mental health. So when I was there, I managed to do some MVQs and some courses, um, first in sexual health, then in HIV um, and, and AIDS. And then it kind of snowballed into the kind of psychological side of it. Um, unfortunately, that organisation closed after a couple of years of me being there. But then that's when I joined this trust and I haven't looked back. I've been here nearly four years now. And um, yeah, it's, it's still exciting and still surprises me every day. Thanks, Stephen. I think a lot of people will probably resonate with what you said right at the beginning of kind of you weren't sure what you wanted to yeah. do and you kind of fell um, into it. But I think it's amazing that you found something that you're so passionate about and yeah. it must have been the kind of right path for you. And even though it felt like you fell into it, it sounds like you're the very right person for what you do now. So thank you for sharing that. Thank so, you. Kirsty, would you like to share um, yours? Yeah, so I'm pretty similar as well I sort of didn't know what I wanted to do really um I went to sixth form after school um did my A levels um kind of had a, a little idea that I wanted to do something in healthcare but really didn't know what I wanted to do and then I didn't want to go to uni I'd sort of had enough of studying for a little bit and so I wanted something more hands-on so I started to look for apprenticeships um and that's when I applied for the apprenticeship um, with the trust. Um, it was a, an admin apprentice at the time. Um, didn't know much about mental health either at the time. So I started that, really enjoyed the role. Um, learned a lot about mental health and I was just interested to sort of develop a little bit further. So I started to do a few shifts on the wards uh, and work with patients and people. And I just sort of fell in love with things then and really developed a passion for working with people. Um, so then after I'd finished my apprenticeship, I decided to go to university and do my nursing degree. Um, and obviously from there, um, I got my first job um, on older adult ward. And then I've recently, um, in the last year, moved to my role now with crisis home treatment team. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, didn't really know at the first what I wanted to do, but I feel like I kind of fell into the, the <laughs> pathway. But um, yeah, I've really developed a passion and I've never looked back since and I love my job and I won't change it for the world now so yeah that's amazing and I think a lot of people will feel quite reassured by the fact that you started in admin so you started as an admin apprentice but you were yeah. still able to kind of develop yourself and go into nursing so I think there's a bit of a misconception isn't there that if yeah. you want to be a nurse you have to kind of be in that mindset as yeah. soon as you finish yeah. school you have to go on yeah. and do your nursing degree um, so I suppose just kind of a side question to that, did you feel like that was um, quite an easy process to kind of start in admin and did you feel developed um, and supported by the trust to kind of move over into nursing while you were here? Yeah definitely, um, I, I mean 
I spoke to my management about, I was like, I'm, I'm really interested, I, I'd like to you know, try going on the wards and they supported me through the apprenticeship and within applying to universities well, they supported me as much as they, they could as well. So yeah, um, the trust were you know, fantastic in, in helping me um, go down that path. Um, so yeah, just don't be, I'd say just don't be afraid um, because there's lots of different routes. You don't always have to start, mm -hmm. you know, to be a nurse in something nursing related. You can, yeah. there's all different pathways. I think as well working, you know, starting out as an admin or an apprentice, you get a feel for the industry as well, don't you? Mm, you do, yeah. And I think, you know, you get to grips with the processes and, and kind of mental health services as a whole before you actually venture out into a clinical side of things. Yeah. So I think it does help. I think that's really helpful. Thank you both. Um, so moving on to the next uh, question, what is the most rewarding part of your job? Would you say? Um, there's there's a few, and like I said before, there's because there's two parts to my role. I get kind of double the rewarding experience because, you know, some of the things that weren't in the trust that are now in the trust because of my role. You know, for instance. <clears throat> I've been working a lot on policies and making sure that we have some policies in place to protect our staff and our patients. So we now have a trans policy for our staff and that is a massively rewarding thing that we have because you know it, it shows people that we are a welcoming trust, we see you and you know we're equipped to to support you in any way. Um, and similarly out in the community, you know, especially during COVID. Um, LGBTQ plus people's support system is outside of the household usually, it's outside of their immediate family and because of Covid that just all shut down, people couldn't meet, people couldn't meet for a drink or a coffee which is what, which is people's kind of freedom for a couple of hours a week for instance. Um, so speaking to organisations and setting up these support groups and setting up my own support groups out in the community trying to kind of decrease the amount of loneliness and self-isolation that people have, have felt, that's massively rewarding for me as well. And you can see the difference in them. Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, there's a few things for me that's rewarding. Um, obviously, firstly, just being able to support people and sort of watch them and their journey and, you know, to, to get a bit well and, and you know, that's lovely to see and that you know you've had a part to help that person um, and also when we sort of do a lot of work obviously with students and we have students and seeing them grow and develop from when they start a placement to when they finish is also lovely to see and you've, you've been able to pass on some of your knowledge to somebody else it's, it's really lovely to see um, and just sometimes just something simple that you know you've you've, you've put a smile on somebody's face hmm. um, yeah. it's just it's just so something as simple as that is, is so rewarding for me yeah, really definitely perfect thank you both for that um and i think it's probably a good point to say steve isn't it that your role is quite a new role um within the trust yeah and 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 that's that's a massive thing for the trust um for me especially showing that the trust is willing to put the amount of effort in to be able to be that inclusive all inclusive all welcoming place um, first time that my role has ever been in this trust. Um, I feel a great amount of pressure to, to kind of fulfil <laughs> it, um, but, but no, it's great. I absolutely love it. And I think it shows a lot of people that if the trust are willing to make these job roles, then they're really serious in kind of being an anti-discrimination 
trust an organisation. And I think we're seeing it with staff, aren't we? <coughs> like we've got the um, LGBTQ plus staff network, and that's really grown probably since you've been in your role as well, because it's seen more in the organisation, isn't it? Absolutely, and you know that's one of the big things that I love about this role. It's being able to promote what what we do, and being able to promote the staff network. Um, you know, it's 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 really grown since I've come into the role because of the communications that we've been putting out and out on social media and out on you know um, Monday Mail um, and seeing a lot more people join it's it's really lovely to see people who aren't necessarily even out to their colleagues you know still come in and and feeling like they're in a safe space to be able to talk about anything and you know tackling issues such as you as like such as the policies and and things like that. We all work together in order to create this amazing place that we want to work. Yeah, and I think that's been really visible across the trust, and I think you've done a great job at promoting that. So. Oh, thank you. Um, so, just moving on. So, what do you think are the most important qualities that someone should have to work in mental health? Um, I think communication is absolute key. Just being a good listener, you know, some people haven't had the chance to express their feelings and emotions for a very long time and we get a lot of patients that we see and assess that this is the first time they've actually spoke about their mental health and, and how they're feeling and just listening really I think is yeah. a really important skill um, to have. Definitely and also realising that you know there are different aspects of mental health you know someone could be going through a mental health condition because of substance misuse you know, someone could be going through a mental health condition because of a physical health condition. Yeah. And it's being able to put yourself in their shoes and thinking, how would I like to be treated as a patient? And I think the more you train and the more you kind of absorb knowledge and kind of identify the patients that you're dealing with and mirror that, you know, um, that's the best advice that, that I can give you um, in order to give best care that you can to patients and I think that's a that's a really nice answer because I think a lot of people listening will have heard that question and they'll have maybe thought something more complex was coming as an answer to that question but it all really does come down to listening doesn't it I think if you if you can master that then the skills will come probably naturally afterwards would you agree yeah, with that? being human being human is like the top thing yeah. that you can be in this job because We've all had those situations where we've gone into a shop, for instance, and the customer service we've received has been awful. Um, and, you know, being human in a very vulnerable space, um, you can get a lot of work done with that patient if you are there connecting with them. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's being able to empathise with that person that, you know, we, you know, you're not the professional in the room. We're just two people that you know you're equals and you know and listening and yeah it's absolutely thank you that's lovely um so <coughs> are there things that you didn't expect about working in your role or your team that you could share with our listeners that they might be interested in um yeah so uh, sort of the, the the opportunities really um I didn't realise, obviously, first coming into mental how many routes and opportunities there are, um, and even just within my job role, um, I've recently uh, done my bloods training, um, and there's so much. It's not, I mean, that's physical health wise. So 
it's not just obviously around mental health, we do the training, it's around physical health as well. So, um, yeah, I didn't realise there's so many opportunities that you really have um, within the trust and within, obviously, my role in particular. Yeah, exactly the same. I was really shocked at the kind of pathways that you have in, in mental health. I mean, I started with the trust on an employability project, you know, helping people get back into work who had mental health conditions and physical health conditions. And now I'm, you know, LGBTQ plus CDW. So there's so many different things that you can do within the industry itself um, to keep you excited. I mean, I still get surprised by what I get to deal with on a daily basis. You know, it's true, it sounds cliche, but it's true what they say, not one day is the same. Because you could come in one day and be speaking to <clears throat> an organisation and then you could be speaking to a patient um, and then speaking to... I mean, I, I get a lot of messages from internal staff, you know, I have a trans patient, what's the best way to, um, to, to, to support this patient? And you know, it's every day is, is really not the same. That's great and I think that will probably give people listening scope to think there probably is something within mental health that I would be interested in. I yeah. think sometimes people don't realise how, how big mental health is. I think people realise that there's different aspects to mental health but in terms of how you can support people in different roles, yeah. um, people probably don't realise that so I think that's really interesting. Um, so just in particular... Um, about working at Black Country Healthcare. Um, could you share your thoughts on working here in comparison to anything else you've done or any um, previous work? Um, I've, I've, I've been with the trust quite a long time. Um, started obviously when it was Dudley and Warsaw um, as an apprentice and obviously the, the trust has merged. And I think throughout, you know, I've, they've always <coughs> had a lot of support networks um, to be able to like move around and I've had like I say I've had a lot of support in you know choosing to be a nurse obviously um so yeah I think it's a, a brilliant trust and now obviously um we've merged you know there's, there's a lot more opportunities and um particularly we've in our team we've, we've sort of um had a lot of work with other services like for example Sandvale and and they work slightly different so it's really good to see how they work compared to how we work so um, I think it's really good now we've got a lot more, obviously, opportunities and, and working yeah. with different people, but now that it's merged. Yeah, I love it, I can't lie. I mean, I've been, <clears throat> I've been in situations where, you know, I've been the only person of colour working somewhere or I've been the only gay guy working somewhere. And coming into a trust or an organisation where it's so diverse, it really makes me feel welcomed and, you know, hitting on the point of being a person of colour, um, last year, um, obviously, we know about George Floyd. And, um, and, you know, it was amazing to see Mark Axel and the execs put a statement out about it and speak about it because they don't realise how much that, that was welcomed by people of colour within the trust. It was a massive thing. And, you know, same as, you know, s some of the state, um, statements that Mark and, and the execs put out around Pride Month and LGBTQ, that's what makes this trust so valuable for me, is knowing that I'm seen as a person and I'm seen as a colleague and I'm seen as a staff member, um, but I'm also seen for my, my protective characteristics as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's 
completely true and I think sometimes it's it's those things that probably seem small that can mean a massive amount to like you say people of colour people who might have felt underrepresented previously yeah. but if voices are put together yeah. and it comes from that high level and it's not just coming from say the staff network who who are there to kind of promote that kind mm-hmm. of information um, those are the little things that are the big things really aren't they yeah. and they mean so much um, so and I think our trust is really really good at doing that aren't they definitely and, and kind yeah. of putting ourselves first with with doing things and being proactive and and making sure that we're we're not kind of falling behind on on things like that so yeah. that's really helpful thank you um so are there any exciting developments happening in your team or service that you'd like to talk about um well yeah obviously our team is sort of merging so it used to be sort of just crisis sort of separately <coughs> in home treatment so our team's emerging together at the moment so we're obviously going through that sort of process of change which is quite interesting um and just had a few things within the team that have, that have changed as well and obviously adapting with, with covid and things as well has, has, has been a challenge but um i think everyone's worked really well together so yeah i'm excited to sort of see how it, it develops further um and yeah how we can offer yeah the best service really now that we sort of merged together and respond to people even even better yeah yeah, um, we I, I have an amazing team, I, I can't lie to you, so it's the um, community inclusion team and within my team there's me um, and there's uh, three other, sorry, four other CDWs, there's, we've got two BAME CDWs um, and a suicide prevention CDW and I love it because it's, our team kind of represents what we want to see within the trust and within the community, you know, we've got um, you know, me, person of colour and a gay guy, we've got, um, you know, a, a cis, white, straight guy who, who does um, suicide prevention and we've got two, two Muslim people, you know, um, with, the, with, with the BAME stuff and it's amazing because we obviously all have different beliefs and different faiths and, but we still come together and get the work done and that's amazing and that is kind of re- a, a representation of what we want to see within the trust and what we want to see out in the community as well. Um, obviously the last year we've been really busy focusing all of our efforts on COVID and making sure that people out in the community are supported during COVID and they're accessing the healthcare they need during COVID. Um, but recently our focus has slightly shifted to more suicide prevention. So kind of, we know that suicide rates increase tenfold during COVID within every community, whether it's the BAME community or whether it's LGBT community, whether it's among youth or, or middle-aged men. Um, so we're really putting our efforts together to, to speak with local organisations, putting things in place in order to try and, try and decrease and try and see a difference in the amount of, of suicides that are taking place um, every month. Now it's not even on a yearly basis, it's monthly. We're looking at these facts and figures. Um, so yeah, that that's a pretty exciting development that we're doing in our team at the moment. Thank you, and I think just listening to you both, um, obviously it's, it's always mentioned at the moment, isn't it? But you both touched on kind of how your roles have changed because of COVID and kind of how the emphasis of your roles have kind of changed because of um, kind of what's developed through through COVID. So I suppose there might be people listening who might be 
I suppose, feeling a little bit anxious about going into a role and thinking, is it going to be what I expect now that COVID's with us? I suppose uh, coming into the NHS, obviously we're, we're very focused on what's happening with, with COVID and people might be thinking, oh, is the role going to be really what I expected? So yeah. would, you, would you say to those people that your roles are very different or would you say you've kind of worked around COVID to kind of achieve the, the best you can or what would you kind of say to those probably anxieties? Well, I mean, I, I, probably my, my experience has been a little bit different to Kirsty's, but, you know, the our role was basically, well, my role in particularly, you know, that COVID affected the LGBTQ plus community a lot. Um, like what I mentioned before, you know, LGBTQ plus people support systems are usually outside of the household. They're really not anything to do with their family. With that breaking down, they weren't able to, to access those support structures. But also, you know, people at university, like, like the youth um, in university at the moment, living in accommodation, had to go back home and possibly going back home to a toxic environment where their families didn't agree with their sexuality or gender. Um, so loneliness was the biggest thing that I had to face um, and, 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 and help support with during COVID. A lot of the a, a lot of the focus was on the physical ailments of COVID, which rightly so, it it, it, it was huge. Um, but no one really spoke about the mental health implications of COVID and the long term pandemic mental health is gonna leave um after COVID. Um and and the majority of that is down to loneliness and and, and isolation. Um so I mean, other than kind of working from home and then visiting organisations instead of working from branch and visiting organisations, there wasn't that much difference. I mean, do I like rolling out of bed at half past seven in the morning to <laughs> log on at eight? Yes, I love that. Um, but, um, but other than that, pretty just your, your standard mental health stuff that, that we already did in the past, but obviously just on a bigger scale. Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, we, we just had to sort of adapt, um, obviously, with, with the COVID regulations, um, particularly in our base, in our office, obviously, certain people in certain rooms and making sure when we go out to people in the community, we have the correct PPE um, and, you know, just checking if people have got any symptoms, um, things like that. But really, we've our services still operated throughout, really, as normal. It's just, obviously, we've been taking the extra precautions um, as needed and, at times, obviously, um, people isolating. We've we have got that flexibility for people to do bits at home as well. So it's just been sort of um, adapting really to to link in with those people who have been at home isolating, so they can still do bits um, and the service can keep going really. So not changed too much. Okay, thank you. Um, so I think in both of your answers, you've both spoken quite a lot about um, kind of facts and figures and how things have changed through. Um, COVID, but on the flip side of that, what would you say is the biggest myth um, that you hear about working mental health that isn't true? Um, biggest myth I hear is people think once they work for mental health, they're going to be surrounded by people who are zombied out on meds. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that, that that is the biggest myth that I hear, and it's just simply not true. I mean, like like we mentioned before, there are so many different pathways in mental health um, that having that kind of outset 
on on that's what I'm going to be surrounded by if I work for mental health. It's it's just simply not true. So if that's what you're thinking, then don't believe it because it's it's just not true. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> and uh, I think also um, I think people think that it's there's just wards and there's people just in hospital and and that's not the case. There, there is a lot of community services like ourselves and community teams and outreach teams that support people in the community mm. um, and obviously different services like therapies as well to help people so it's not just people on wards um, and you don't just have to be a nurse there's lots of different roles um, and also I think a lot of people you hear say oh gosh you work in mental health oh it must be you know scary yeah. I think people mm -hmm. assume that people who you know experience mental health problems uh, sort of maybe more aggressive and, and things like that and that's you know it's not the case at all it's it's people who are going through a difficult time and, and we're there supporting them so that you know that is not true at all it's definitely a myth of what you hear I think and there's yeah. definitely a stigma around that that I think obviously um, we try and to try to you know get rid of that stigma around it really yeah and I think the um, especially what you said about that people think that it's just patients on wards I think that is something that you hear a lot isn't yeah. it and yeah. I'm not sure where that comes from I don't know if it's from films yeah. or yeah. Um, I don't know like yeah. seeing things on screen that are, are just yeah. kind of white walls and and seeing people um, yeah. in hospital but um, I think if I've taken one thing from listening to you both it's the variety of of what we can offer within the yeah. trust and so hopefully yeah. that myth's kind of been uh, eradicated by what you've um, yeah. said today so that's really helpful um, so what would be your biggest tip or piece of advice for someone starting out in your particular area of work um, in, in, in my particular area of work obviously it's, it's I'm a community worker I work out in the community um, but you know you don't have to start out, you know, as a nurse or as clinical. Like we mentioned before, starting out as an apprentice or starting out as an admin or reception or anything like that, it gives you a taste of what you will be experiencing. Um, you know, you get to learn the ins and outs and the processes of mental health and your team's duties just as an admin, so you know if that's going to be right for you or not. Um, so, so that's what I would say, you know, start out at a, at a lower level, you know, get a feel for the trust and organisation um, and see if it's right for you. You don't have to jump right into the deep end. Yeah, I think that's very true. And that's sort of obviously when I started, I started as, as an apprentice and then did healthcare work and then sort of worked my way up, sort of having a little taste here and there of things really. And yeah, I think just important just to, you know, even maybe just getting in contact with the trust and seeing what you know is 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 about, just to to start off or talking to people who have, have worked within mental health and how they got into it as well. Mm. Um, and and there's things like um, on the bank where you can do like different shifts and things um, to sort of get a little bit of a taster mm. or um, sort of maybe shadowing people at work at any contact with us to shadow different roles to just have that little bit of taste and maybe things like that yeah. uh, I'd probably encourage people do to just have a have a feel for what you know what it's about and, and what the different roles are within the trust as well yeah and I think just um carrying on from that question I think you've both kind of touched on it anyway but um to anyone listening who's kind of interested in working in mental health but they're not sure 
uh, where to start or kind of how to make the first contact or kind of what to do. Um, what would you say to those people? Um, I would probably say, um, I mean, I started out in mental health in the third sector, the voluntary organisation. Um, I would say if it is something that you are thinking about but not sure about, go and volunteer at a local third sector organisation that helps with mental health, that helps with substance misuse. You know, so you can see if this is for you. You know, there's no commitment needed. You go in once a week if you want to. And, and kind of get a feel for the work that you could possibly do, be doing in the future. I think that is like my top tip of, of what to do. Go and test out the waters to see if it's something you want to do. Yeah, and I probably agree with that as well. Or just being able to maybe just shadow a role um, just so you've get, you know, or a few different roles to get a bit of a feel. And like you said, there's no commitment there then. You just shadow in that role to see if that's something that you would like to do. Um, yeah, just to see if it is something that you feel that is you want to do. Mm. I think as well, it's it's probably worth mentioning that kind of if people are interested in working for our trust, they can actually search for our um, vacancies specifically on NHS jobs, can't they? So they don't have to kind of go through every NHS job that's out mm. there. They can kind of search by employer. And black country healthcare and kind of click into each vacancy and and see if that seems like the right kind of thing for them by reading the job description i think as well just making contact with um the hiring manager is sometimes a, a good insight isn't Definitely. it because from a, from a job description sometimes you're a bit overwhelmed with what you, what your responsibilities are going to be and yeah. and sometimes it's just a bit much to take in so i think yeah. talking that through with the person who's kind of listed on the um, vacancy because I found that yeah. quite um, I did exactly that so when I first started the trust I saw the role that I wanted to apply for but in requirements it said I needed a degree so I phoned up and I, and I asked a bunch of questions and I said well I don't have a degree but given my work experience it was kind of relevant to the qualification um, so I think people are put off a lot of the times when they read see the requirements and it asks for a degree in a particular field don't be put off by that. Call the hiring manager or or give the hiring manager an email just to say, this is my work experience. Um, does this still qualify? Um, because if I hadn't have done that, I probably wouldn't have even ended up in the trust. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, obviously, apprenticeships as well um, yeah. are, are a brilliant way of, you know, doing, you obviously get... Um, an MBQ, um, so you get a bit of a qualification as well as having that taster of, of the roles and then w once you're obviously in there there's loads of opportunities to do different things so that's a great a great starting point as well for, for, for people to consider. Yeah and I think that's sometimes, I think it's getting better now isn't it, <coughs> I think yeah. sometimes people do sometimes have that again misconception of um, needing the degree or kind yeah. of needing yeah. that experience but I think apprenticeships are, are coming a lot more into the limelight now aren't they and they're a great great way as you've shown Kirsty to kind of work your way up. That comes to the end of our questions for today so I don't know if you have any final things either of you that you'd like to say. Thank, thank you for you. having us <laughs> yeah, it's been you. such <laughs> a nice chat um, just you know over some coffee and it's um it's really nice and I really hope that anybody who is thinking about working for the trust or, you know, is is kind of interested in mental health, I hope we've 
We've convinced you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think if anyone was going to, I think you two have. So, um, thank you both so much for joining us today. I know, like I said at the beginning, you're really busy. Um, this definitely sounds like it from what you said today. Um, so thank you for taking the time out. Um, and thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>